0: Hi everyone, you're listening to In the Open, a podcast by Mental Health America, where we talk all things mental health related. Hi everyone, welcome back to In the Open. This is Teresa and I'm here with a special guest, uh, Sydney. Sydney, you wanna say hi?
1: Sure, hi, I'm Sydney. Um, I am a staff member at MHA. I mostly work with the policy team on school mental health, but I also come to MHA with lived experience with ADHD and anxiety, among other things. So it's really good to be here. Yeah, welcome.
0: Today we're gonna talk about one of our final intrusive thoughts or negative thoughts that are common is I will go crazy if I don't control my racing thoughts. So I when I saw this thought I, I was i certainly had only reflected on the way that i've thought about this when i've had a panic attack and i've only had a couple so i'm not diagnosed with panic disorder but do you want to share with us you know yeah when when you heard that when i reached out and was like hey who struggles with this thought like why did you say yeah i do <laughs> let me tell you my story
1: <laughs> well i think that your point about that you've only really experienced this through panic attacks. For me, I've definitely had panic attacks before, I still have them, but I think it's a more common thought outside of just like a true panic attack. Like I've definitely, with ADHD and with anxiety, I have racing thoughts like a lot of the time. So to be able to sort of share that beyond like the acute experience of having a panic attack, I thought might be helpful both for me and for other people.
0: That's interesting. So when you think about you mentioned anxiety and ADHD, what is what is it like? What is what comes to your mind then? Like how how are those the same or different?
1: The way that I describe sort of racing thoughts for me is like because my thoughts kind of race all the time, they're very like fast paced and I don't always like hang on to a particular thought that's in my head Um, and I think that a lot of people with ADHD sort of experience that but the anxiety piece comes in when those racing thoughts are really loud and I don't that's something that I say a lot is when my thoughts are just like really really loud and I can't seem to quiet them so it's kind of like being in a busy train station or something trying to have like an important conversation and you're trying to have one thought and instead everything in your head is too loud and you can't focus and it's not a good feeling it really yeah. isn't
0: I think that's the unique difference between like this particular you know intrusive thought as as compared to I'm a failure or, when we get stuck in these negative mind spaces this one in particular is just like I I feel like I'm going to absolutely lose it if I cannot yeah. get from outside of my thoughts, literally just – and are they knowable? Like when you think of the thoughts that you have, do you have clarity about the way they sound even though they're so loud or what's like – what is that experience like?
1: Well, I think part of what's scary sometimes is that I'm not thinking about anything awful like I'm not catastrophizing. I'm not thinking about like worst case scenarios or embarrassing things I've said. Usually it's just like regular thoughts, but all of a sudden I feel like I can't control them and they're too loud or they're too, they're coming at me too quickly. And so to not be able to pinpoint, like I can't even tell you or tell whoever's asking me what's wrong. For example, like I can't say, oh, I'm just really worried about X. It's like, no, I just feel like I'm going crazy because my thoughts won't slow down.
0: I think a lot of people with anxiety, and it's interesting you're bringing in the ADHD experience too because I, I, (laughs) sometimes (laughs) on our podcast with America, I'll be, she'll be like, she'll be talking and I will have these moments where all of a sudden it's like 20 thoughts at the same time. Can't keep track of them. They are clearly loud. I have stopped listening to America. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I come back and I'm like, I'm sorry. My mind went somewhere. I'm not even sure where. <laughs> and like my husband, he it's so hard for him and I feel so bad. I'm like, I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's hard for other people to understand sometimes. They're like, where did you go? And I'm like, oh, how long has it been? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Time is weird in that aspect, right? Because yeah. It's so easy to slip in that space. I, I have I use metaphors myself and I call that like my anxiety train because there's a moment where I'm on the platform and I'm not, and I don't even know when the choice is to get on the train, but I have already made the decision to run and leap on this train and the train is gone. It's like it has gone to my spiral space. And I think what's interesting as we talk about is like what point do we realize like, oh my gosh. I'm going to go crazy if I don't control this experience versus, oh, I'm just sucked into the vortex.
1: Yeah, I think um, sometimes for me, sometimes I can recognize that moment. And that's when like the racing thoughts and the loud thoughts would turn to a panic attack for me, which would be like, if I'm aware of it happening, then I can, I usually start to like talk out loud to myself or I'll reach out to somebody before things get too, out of control for me to do that yeah but if having that awareness of like whether you can feel it in your body or feel it in your mind or just recognize it if you can just try to stop it before it fully spirals like you said that can be really helpful but sometimes it's just not possible
0: yeah we don't talk about panic attacks a lot because I only have had a couple in my life and and America doesn't struggle with panic attacks, but I think it's worthwhile to share because you're like, it is so true that the awareness of the way that your thoughts are racing is the moment where I'm either going to have an anxiety attack or a panic attack, at least for me. And I don't know if this is what you experience too, but like, if I'm aware of the thought and the way I'm I'm losing it, (laughs) then it normally will go to an anxiety attack. Even though it's debilitating, like anxiety attacks are still, they derail me sometimes for like a whole day. I can have a bad day and have a couple of anxiety attacks and just be like, I am not effective. Like, I'm clearly not paying attention. I can't even write a sentence. Sometimes I'm not even able to type. And that's distressing as well because I'm just mad at myself. Like, why can't you get your crap together? Yeah, you're shaking your head.
1: No, I am. (laughs) Because I think like the awareness that something is wrong and you're either able to control it or you're not like feeling yourself experiencing those symptoms, like just feeds into experiencing more.
0: Yeah. It's the controlness of it and and the frustration of being controlled by something that you don't want to be controlled by. But panic is different. It's not just the thoughts that trips me out about the panic. It's like, my, why, why do I literally feel like I'm having a heart attack? <laughs> Yes. Or I want to claw my face. This is weird and I don't talk about it a lot, but I have these weird <laughs> intrusive thoughts about wanting I don't say it's like hurt myself because I'm not trying to like hurt myself, but I feel so overwhelmed inside my body that I want to claw.
1: Yes. Yeah. I always feel like trapped in my what I can only describe as a skin suit. Like uh, skin my suit. body <laughs> that I'm in <laughs> is trapping me and I just so badly want it to come off just like so that I can breathe. And it's, you can't do that. And it's not about wanting to, you know, cause yourself any harm. It's just about like feeling so overwhelmed that you feel very trapped in your own skin and body.
0: Yes. Something about touching it. Yes, and I feel like we have a lot of problem. It's not problematic. We want to keep people safe who have, you know, suicidal thoughts. But I think in like our system isn't great about letting people express these feelings in these descriptive ways. And so I just, I know personally, I've just not described it because it freaks people out.
1: Right? No, I was watching you sort of say, "I can see you," and I was watching you sort of say, like, like hesitate before you said, like, claw. And I, I just thought to myself, "You can say it." Like, I know what you mean. I know you're not you know, in harm's way, because I've been there. But I think for people who haven't been there, that would be a frightening thing to hear. And I mean, what you said about the other stuff to the physical sensations that go along with panic attacks. And even sometimes when your thoughts start racing, and you're right on that edge of like, having anxiety about your thoughts raising the physical sensations that go along with that. I mean, I have Crohn's disease. So I feel everything in my stomach. Mm. But You know, like you're shaky or in my case, my stomach always ends up hurting or, you know, like I'm sweating or like breathing really is really hard. All of those things like they're really frightening and they're also really frightening to describe to people because they're really thinking like, are you sick? Like and it's frightening to watch. And so that just feeds into it because then you want to keep it all in and that just makes everything worse.
0: And the shame of having a panic attack. It's something I don't think people talk about a lot. Just Yeah. <laughs> First, do you have panic? Have you had a panic attack in public?
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I have. I had one on a train one time. I've had them in the grocery store. It's embarrassing, and it, like, it shouldn't be because, you know, if I had an asthma attack in public or something, people would just be worried. They wouldn't be like, wow, what a weirdo. But for some reason... Like when you're picking out a steak in the grocery store, and all of a sudden you lose your ability to talk to the butcher, it feels really embarrassing. <laughs> um, and so I've definitely, I definitely, so definitely experienced that, and sort of like frustration and anger at myself because it makes you just—I don't know—I feel like a baby almost. Like why can't I just handle this? Yeah, it's exhausting too. That's the other big feeling. It's just that it's so tiring too.
0: Or, why does my body do this? Yeah. (laughs) Damn you. Why can't I control it? And that's so interesting because I don't, you're right that where did we take on that responsibility? You know, like it was probably from childhood when it was like, when it was about, you know, get yourself together, you shouldn't be acting out of control. And you're like, I literally can't
1: control being out of control.
0: Right. But nobody says that to someone with asthma.
1: Right. Nobody says that to me about like when I have symptoms of Crohn's disease. Nobody says anything at all other than like sympathetic type stuff. And yet I have it in my head that the mental stuff is just something I'm supposed to be able to deal with by myself.
0: And it's not true.
1: Right. No, it's not true.
0: So what does coming down from that experience look like for you?
1: Well, there are a couple ways it can play out, I would say. Just trying to come down from just having the racing thoughts without a full panic attack or anxiety attack can just look like doing something to distract myself. And then I might be a little bit tired or, or something like that. But it's, it's not really coming down. It's just sort of waiting for it to stop. Mm -hmm. or finding ways for it to stop but in terms of coming down from an actual panic attack I mean for me a lot of the time they happen at night so sometimes it means crying and then falling asleep before I'm even aware that it's over (laughs) (laughs) because it's so tiring but there are a lot of things that help sort of like get me to that point Even though like every instinct in my body a lot of the time is like keep it inside and don't tell anyone, Mm -hmm. letting someone know what's going on and maybe like preparing them ahead of time at a time when I'm not having a panic attack, like just like start a conversation with me about anything and help me just like wind down those thoughts, help me narrow them down, focus them on something is really helpful. But you can't do that. I find I can't do that myself like when it's happening. So if I'm saying my boyfriend is the most common person that I had talked to about this other than my mom. <laughs> um, but for example, like recently I had one and I was saying like, please start talking to me about something. And he was like, what am I supposed to talk to you about? And I couldn't tell him what to talk to me about during, but then afterwards, like once I calmed down and returned to a more normal headspace for me, I was like, Literally anything works. Sports, types of vegetables, doesn't matter. But you have to be the one to come up with it because my brain has stopped working at that point.
0: Yeah. I love that. I do a lot of self-talk, but it's interesting for you to note the difference between when, I, when self-talk works and when self-talk doesn't work. Because self-talk works especially when you have some sense of control. Versus like, oh, to that point where you're like, oh, no, I'm about to go crazy because I cannot control my racing thoughts is like, oh, I'm beyond control. I no longer have control, which means I no longer have the capacity to self-talk myself down from this space. In a lot of working with clients around panic attacks, it's knowing that space where you're like, mm, there's no point of return at this point. And so the, all you can do is ride out the experience and know you're not going to die, Right. Which is questionable because sometimes you have a panic attack when you're driving, (laughs) and that's a horribly frightening experience. You're like, Oh, I literally am going to die because I will crash my car, which are all the realm of these experiences that people have. And I think it's true that, yeah, when I'm having an anxiety attack or a spiral, I do scream at myself a lot, which is it's horrible. Maybe that's bound up in my trauma as a child where I only listen to screaming voices, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm like shut up, stop talking. It's like what I literally say to my brain, my anxiety brain. And sometimes that works, but it takes, it's not a moment. It's its like 20 minutes yeah. of, of going on a walk and talking to myself Yeah, to finally feel down versus a full panic attack where I'm not even talking to myself. I'm right. actually just beating my chest.
1: Right. And I feel like what you said when you were saying that like sometimes self-talk works sometimes it really aggressively does not I think for me it definitely depends on like where the panicky feelings are coming from sometimes they come from nowhere like there is seemingly no trigger and those ones are kind of the like just figure out the like once it's already happening strategies like cold air or like deep pressure from if you have somebody you trust to like give you a really tight uncomfortable hug or something like that but when it comes from triggers like for me I have a lot of like medical triggers like I have so much medical trauma with having a chronic illness and all of that that trying to talk myself down from a a medically triggered panic attack is very hard and there have been times where I've just called my doctor Mm. and like I just need to hear that whatever symptom I'm experiencing is like, I'm not going to die from it. And then I can calm down. Yeah. And then like with the other triggers, like that everybody has friendship relationship, all of those types of things though. That's when I think that self-talk helps the most. And there's one thing that I say to myself a lot and I don't remember where I heard it, but it's like, if you feel like you hate everyone, eat something And if you feel like everyone hates you, go to sleep. And Mm for me, like I can sort of expand that to like if I feel like I hate everyone, meaning like everything is so overstimulating and that's what I'm sort of getting worked up about, you know, eat something and do the other sort of like decompressing, unstimulating things that help. And if I feel like everyone hates me, which is another sort of way that I would feel triggered to have some type of panic attack or spiral or something then it's like go to sleep do something relaxing try to remove the energy from like that's feeding the thoughts that you're having
0: I love it I love it I'm gonna put that in my little toolbox like do I hate everybody eat something am I mad at the world just get comfort but if I hate myself and I think everybody hates me there's no good happening here. Don't stay don't stay awake right now. No. <laughs> go no. go rest your brain. <laughs> yeah. And you mentioned something too, where when you don't know the quality of the racing thoughts, the lack of awareness is itself distressing. Yes. And can be part of why you feel like you're crazy because you're just like, I don't even know what crazy thoughts I have right now. I just, I'm literally falling out of control. And that does look like a lot of the panic attacks that people have. And when I've had panic, yeah, it's very hard to pinpoint back to what was the thing that started you down the path, right? Right, I think for a lot of people with panic attacks, it can be physiological. It's not even a necessarily a thought. It is like, oh, my heart started to skip a beat. I don't think there's a lot of research on helping people understand the way that we take medications or how our heart performs actually triggers a panic. And maybe that's evolution telling you, like, hey, if you're going to have a heart attack, you are supposed to panic. Right. <laughs> when well, we're not having a heart attack, but who's to say we aren't having some kind of heart issue?
1: Right. But I, I learned – I mean, I feel like I learned something about this in psych I when I majored in psych in college. I – they called it like misattribution of arousal or something, which is literally just mm. when you feel something weird happening in your body and you blame it on anxiety, but like half the time it's because you overcaffeinated yourself that day and you're not anxious about anything, but then you find something to be anxious about because you think you're experiencing anxiety from the physical yeah. stuff.
0: Yeah.
1: And this could be side effects
0: of medications. Yeah. Yes.
1: Yeah, I think one thing – that triggered panic attacks for me. The first ones I ever had in high school, early high school was I was put on a medication for Crohn's disease. And this was before I really had a lot of awareness of my own mental health. I knew I was had anxiety and ADHD, but I didn't have a lot of literacy other than that. And I was put on this medication and I learned the hard way that a lot of people experience panic attacks on that medication. Mm. And like, heart palpitations, and things that were normal for being on that medication, but I thought I was going crazy because no one told me ahead of time. So now I know to ask if I'm put on anything, psychoactive or otherwise. I'm like, hey, could you give me a heads up if you think this might increase my anxiety? Because if I can know that, like, my racing thoughts or my racing heartbeat or any of those things are just a medication, I can really... Talk myself down from that and know that, like, it's not forever. It's not permanent. You just have to get through, like, this particular moment. And, like, it's not your fault. It's just whatever medication some doctor prescribed for you. Mm -hmm. That helps a lot.
0: I'm really hopeful about the future. I feel that more people take a whole body approach to understanding mental health conditions, the way that my medications, the way that my lifestyle. (laughs) It's all part of it, right? And I'm just building knowledge and awareness about how to take care of myself. Of course. Do you have any final thoughts?
1: I would say to just try to be in tune with your body when you start to feel certain things. Like Again, because the earlier, the better, that you can sort of try to talk yourself out or calm your heart rate or do any of those things before it gets really bad, Mm -hmm. Just to try to, like, be gentle and aware of yourself, but also I think to underscore something that we've already said is that, like, nobody would be angry with you and you wouldn't be angry with yourself if you had an asthma attack in public or if you sprained your ankle in public or anything like that, or in private for that matter. Yeah. It's not shameful. It's just, it's really hard. And I hope that you know, it's gotten easier for me. Like I've learned all of these strategies and things to help myself. And, you know, it takes time, but it does help. But to just like, remember to be gentle that like when these do happen, like, it's not embarrassing. It's not a burden on other people. It was just unfortunate that it happened to you and be kind to yourself because it's not your fault.
0: Yeah. I love that because it's about living in the open and not feeling ashamed, not taking on this additional burden of the fear that we have because it was so much harder to recover when I did do that, when I took on shame and I just suppressed all of myself into a box to try and be okay. And that's not helpful to anybody. So living your genuine self, having self-compassion for those spaces that we are, understanding that our brains work differently and it's no different than asthma is so great. I love that. I was also thinking like that moment when I realized through my panic attacks that I wasn't going to die so <laughs> that I could integrate that part into the narrative of my brain and just say, no matter how much this feels like you're about to die or you're out of control, it ends, helped me a ton to open that window to the self-awareness that you're talking about too. Right. And I don't know if that if that resonates with you.
1: Well, no, it does. And I don't mean to say that. I recommend having more than one panic attack because they're not fun. (laughs) But like the more that I have and live through, the more proof I have, like I need proof that I am going to live through this and that I'm not going to like, not just that I'm going to live through it, but that I'm not just going to like have these feelings forever and just be stuck that way. Like that's one of my number one fears is just getting stuck in that like horrible feeling. But the more times that I have had a panic attack, and then come out of it and been okay and had nobody be mad at me and all of those things, proof that everything is fine, the more I'm able to sort of like recover faster when it does happen and maybe ward them off sometimes if I can. Absolutely. So hopefully, rather than learning from other people's own experience, maybe you can learn from mine because somebody has to. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I think a lot of people, um, We, through sharing stories, you you build awareness, right? I and mean, right. These are the power of these stories. So I appreciate you coming and sharing your experiences. This is just a little taster of I will go crazy if I don't control my racing thoughts. Thank you so much. Yeah. This is the last of the actual thoughts. Next week, America and I will be discussing just – what does it mean to recover and walk through how to control your intrusive thoughts? And that'll be the close of our series. So thank you so much for joining us and keep on fighting in the open.
1: Thank you so much for having me and for giving me the opportunity to talk about this.
0: Yay. Thanks, Sydney.